Hello, it is Feel Good Friday, October 30th. Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween. I don't even know if you're allowed to go out in Halloween anymore, but the spirit is still there. And yeah. you know what it follows Halloween? What's that? Thanksgiving. Oh, I love Thanksgiving. You know what follows Thanksgiving? What's that? The holiday season of uh, Christmas, Hanukkah, um, Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. There's another one, too. There's some other one that I always forget that I get, like, one tweet from. her. You get it, and then New Year, and then 2021. And then we're hey. here. We're here. We made it. We made it to 2021. We did it. Happy Halloween. I hope your, uh, you know, costumes are magical. I hope you enjoy some candy. I hope you look around and you say, you know what? There is some good fun stuff going on. Yeah. Because the world right now, not a lot of good fun stuff going on, Ty. No, not a whole lot. And I have a feeling it's about to get worse in the next couple of weeks. It seems like the next couple of days, at least, are about to get a little bit ugly. But that's not what we are about here at Feel no, Good Friday. definitely not. And that's not what the current Halloween is about. No. Now, granted, originally, I think it was a pretty negative operation. Yeah, for sure. And then shout out to the people who took advantage of it to make it a marketing thing to make money off of it because they've made it a much more positive operation. Mm -hmm. Mars and you know all the candy bar outlets and whatnot. Bingo. Mm -hmm. So happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. And happy Feel Good Friday. Yeah. Today we got Bubba Watson. Wow. Yeah. We were doing some research on him. I guess mentally he's had quite a roller coaster of uh, a success ride here. Mm -hmm. Excited to talk to him about that and golf. Masters is coming up. Yep. He Not fares very well at the Masters. He just came in fourth last week. I guess he's hitting his stride. He feels the best he's felt in a long time with the golf ball. Mm -hmm. Maybe he'll win the Masters. Maybe we have 2020 Masters champ Bubba Watson on today. That'd be pretty cool. Johnny Hecker, the man who dominated the Chicago Bears. Defensive player of the week. And special teams player of the week. Mm -hmm. uh, should have been defense player of the week. He'll join us today. And Hugh Jack City. Hugh Jackson. Oh. I love that man. He's awesome. I don't know what we'll talk about. He holds his um, his phone in a situation where it isn't always the most uh, uh, appeasing to the way he looks. Sure. Sometimes gives people motion sickness. The way he holds his phone right. when he talks to us. Mm -hmm. But the words that are coming out of his mouth, very good. I, I've completely changed my tune for how I feel about Hugh Jackson. I've talked to him. I think today we'll continue to do that. Can't thank you all enough for choosing to listen to this show. All the guests this week have been awesome. I've really enjoyed this week of shows. It's been great. It really has been. Another football uh, week down, basically. Nothing Heading better. into an incredible weekend of games. Mm-hmm. Last night, obviously, I won another bet because the heater continues, you know? Yeah, let's just keep it going. Why not? Let's have a day. Let's have a day. Hey, let's have a feel-good Friday. Here we go. By the end of the show, if you enjoy this show, please be a friend, tell a friend. And if you don't, just act like it never happened. Let's get to it. <laughs> Last night was a big Thursday night football event in the NFC South. The Carolina Panthers coming off of Tropical Storm Zeta that stopped by yesterday played host to the Atlanta Falcons. Yesterday, I went on an entirely too long of a rant about how Matt Ryan and Julio Jones are potentially playing in their last primetime game of the season. Possibly their last primetime game together, depending on how the Atlanta Falcons move going forward with an open GM slot and an open head coaching slot. What did they do? They 
fucking got after it. <laughs> Julio Jones had over 100 yards. It felt like in like the first quarter. The guy absolutely won bonkers. Primetime television. Julio Jones was sending a message to the rest of the league. I'm not 100% sure if I'm going to be traded, but I want to let you know that if I am on the block, know that number 11 in Atlanta, who is a physical specimen, still got the goods. Now, there was a couple big-time plays made that stole maybe a touchdown or two away from Julio Jones last night, but ultimately, in the end, the Atlanta Falcons get a dub on Thursday night football in my heater that I am currently sitting on. Please keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle. I am on a heater rocket ship, continued last night, and will continue into this weekend. At some point, I am going to get cold, but at the moment, I am very, very hot. The night went exactly how I figured it would go, to be completely candid with you. The Carolina Panthers, Teddy Bridgewater, they are a good squad. I think moving forward, they will be good. I think with Christian McCaffrey coming back in the lineup, a man they paid like $25 million a year, $20 million a year, whatever it was, that is obviously going to be good for them. But what Joe Brady, Teddy Bridgewater, Matt Rule, and the boys in Carolina, including an owner who I think has a button that says, no, we're going for it on this particular fourth down, <laughs> in his suite. I like what the Carolina Panthers are doing. I liked the Falcons last night going into the night strictly because of the Matt Ryan, Julio Jones future question mark situation that is for two superstars and I thought it was a pretty damn good Thursday night football matchup this weekend there's a lot of good games the headline of the weekend is Steelers Ravens (laughs) by the way just one week ago the headline of the weekend was Steelers Titans are the Pittsburgh Steelers not only the only undefeated team left but are they the Five-star premier main event team of the NFL this year are the Pittsburgh Steelers, the most important team to the NFL. Joining us now to talk about that, Cowboy at Tone Dicks. Well, I mean, the wintry winds of November are blowing in, my friend, and I need a more workers' man hat. This is my rancher's hat, okay? So these hats, they're nice, but they aren't workers' man's hat. And there's the, the wintry winds are blowing in this weekend, my friend. So well, you need something sturdy. I'll say none of that made sense. <laughs> I appreciate what you're doing here, though. You watch what, like, uh, Jay uh, Cutler's Instagram, mm-hmm. and then you watch Kevin Costner run some gang over there in Montana. Yep. And now you've really transformed your entire human, which, by the way, we all like. Yeah, we absolutely. We Thank like you. the cowboy hat. Thank but you. let's get back to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. They are well the team. I mean, the last two weeks now. Oh, yeah. At least two of in the game, the first game against the Titans, they were also the story of the weekend. So three of the first seven weeks here now, three going into eight, the Pittsburgh Steelers are the main story of the weekend. That has to feel pretty good as a Steelers fan after watching your team struggle because uh, Big Ben Roethlisberger was out all last year. That has to feel pretty good as a Steelers fan. It does feel really good. And I know the, the team down there in Texas will call itself America's team, but I'm not sure there's a Cowboys bar in every city that you go to. Yeah, Ooh. that is always the statement that Pittsburgh and Yenzers have is every city you go to, there's a Pittsburgh Steelers bar. Doesn't matter where you are. There is a Pittsburgh Steelers bar somewhere. And I'm not 100% sure why uh, Pittsburgh was such good uh, like the Steelers had such good marketing. I think I assume it's because of success and everything mm-hmm. like that. Jerry Jones obviously won in the marketing department because that team was good for like five years or whatever. Yeah. And they are still beloved by everybody. But the Pittsburgh Steelers Ravens this weekend should be awesome. Mm-hmm. The Steelers were supposed to be either going into a bye week or coming out of a bye week against the Ravens. And uh, since the Titans got COVID, that changed everything around. The stats are not in the Pittsburgh Steelers' favor for this weekend, mm-hmm. by the way. Not in their favor at all for this weekend. The Baltimore Ravens are like 12 and 2 or something or hardball 10, like 10 and 2 coming out of a bye week now it's going against the Pittsburgh Steelers if the Pittsburgh Steelers lose this week which is 
Potential. This is a very potential thing. I don't think anybody in Pittsburgh or anybody in the media will even bat an eye about it. And that was kind of a conversation this morning. It was like, if either of these teams lose this weekend, will that be a, you know, like a head scratch or anything like that? It's like, no. Like, I, they're, both of these teams could potentially lose. I'm not going to bet on it this weekend. I've bet on every Pittsburgh Steelers game this week or this entire year, betting on the Steelers every single year. Mm-hmm. This is, or this week is not the week to bet on them at all. But that game is going to be just like the Titans Steelers game. They're going to be haymakers being thrown back and forth at each other and i am pumped about watching it the the thing that yeah the the winner of this like the winner and win and loss in this game it's all great if you win but i want to see how the steelers defense prepares and potentially tries to stop lamar jackson they did a decent job against it last year but who knows and then the Ravens are the number one scoring defense in the league, so I want to see if the Steelers O-line can hold up against their defense, which is really, really good. Well, and right now is a much different time than maybe in like seven more weeks where yeah. Baltimore's coming off of a bye week. Mm-hmm. And remember, the Steelers had a week four bye week, Ugh. which in a game of uh, attrition, yep. mm-hmm. that is a tough thing to have. That extra three weeks or four weeks where they got to push their rest there, the Baltimore Ravens did, because this is the AFC North is Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay, mm-hmm. That's just what it is. It's going to happen. And the AFC North, by the way, has a lot of great teams that are potentially building with young quarterbacks. And who knows what's going to happen with Cleveland? Baker's out there. Roethlisberger, who knows? But you're talking Lamar Jackson, Joey Burrow, Baker Mayfield, and the whole squad over there. Ben Roethlisberger is really the old quarterback. Mm-hmm. The AFC North is very, very, very contentious. Okay? Oh, a lot yeah. of big games. This weekend, though, it doesn't feel like it feels like I can't wait to watch it. But the outcome does not matter at all in the grand scheme of things. And I think that is why, if you're a Steelers fan, you've got to be very pumped about it. Well, yeah, like if you're looking at both of their records, like both of these teams are going to make the playoffs. So this is kind of like a playoff prep game, like your fr- kind of like their first playoff game of the year. Just this kind of a measuring stick game to see where the Steelers are because they people say they haven't played teams yet this year until last week against the Titans. So it's kind of a measuring stick game to see how they do against one of the elite teams in the AFC. Another big game this weekend, okay? Oh. Mm-hmm. There's another big game this weekend. The Patriots are traveling to upstate New York. The Patriots with Cam Newton, who has said, like, hey, this entire region, he he actually said this town, this city, this area, this region. He went on an entire rant about how all of New England, like, they they don't expect to lose. Okay. 20 years of greatness, obviously nobody's expecting to lose, but 20 years of greatness, that is a tough thing. He said that uh, he needs to pick his expletive. By the way, shout out to Cam being uh, for the kids. Yes, Mm -hmm. great guy. Anyways, what he he meant is he needs to pick his shit up. Mm -hmm. And uh, this weekend, it sounds like now, Stephon Gilmore had something happen yesterday in practice. Julian Edelman announced a precautionary knee procedure yesterday. Uh, If you hear and listen to people speak, outside of Bill Belichick speaking in press conferences, uh, it seems like everybody on the Patriots is potentially on the trade block right now. Everything must go, it sounds like. Is Bill Belichick behind the scenes potentially trying to redo this entire roster because it has been a faulty roster on the offensive side of the ball in particular these last couple of years. Now this year, with every player sitting out that sat out on the defense side of the ball, I don't think you could fairly judge the roster that Bill Belichick put together because like two of their top five players chose not to play this yeah. year. But on the offensive side of the ball, it's been a problem for the last couple of years. Everybody thought that's why Tom Brady left because Tom Brady was sick mm-hmm. of not getting the weapons and getting the opportunity. Now granted, behind closed doors, Tommy fucking Foxborough wasn't treated great, I guess, yes. either. But the thing about it is, if the Patriots are trying to sell everything, which is not what Bill Belichick said, by the way. Bill Belichick came out in an interview and said, uh, I'm not going to participate in sports radio. <laughs> he said he actually told the person he appreciated the opportunity. 
to get involved mm. in talk radio questions. Which he could. Which he, he, I appreciate the opportunity to <laughs> get involved in talk radio. I'm not, I'm not going to answer those questions. Okay. And that was when everybody was saying and asking him, like, basically, is everybody leaving? Because Stefan Gilmore has been talked about as being on the block. I would assume Julian Edelman, somebody would want him. Now, granted, the knee surgery thing, nobody knows how serious it is or what's going on. I would assume there's people that would also potentially want anybody else on that team. And Bill Belichick came out and said, I'm not going to have that conversation, which well, it wasn't a yes or a no, basically. No. And you wouldn't expect that from Bill. But all the conversation around it is that every Patriot is currently for sale. As a Patriots fan, are you guys just going to get your asses kicked by Buffalo this weekend, who has to have a big game and has no excuses at all? Bills Mafia, the Buffalo Bills, have no excuses not to just have a game against the Patriots this weekend. Absolutely, especially if Gilmore's not p- playing. And to your point about the weapons, that wide receiver this weekend, we got Demir Bird. Wow. Wow. Jacoby Myers. Hey, he Gunner, plays. Oh, yeah. Gunnar Olszewski. Gunner's oh. out there. And Isaiah oh, Zuber. Those are our wide oh, wait, receivers. the Zoobs? The Zoobs. Hey, when they say... Goober and Zoop or yes. Gunner and Zoops. When Gunner and Zoops are on the same side, oh. okay, and they are in a bunch. When Gunner and Zoop are in a bunch, this is what Deep Analytics show. Yeah, somebody's getting fucking got. Yeah, yeah. Julio yeah. Jones. Who? Yeah. When those two guys are on the field, but no, all combined they have zero touchdowns. I think they have a total of uh, three hundred yards between the four of them. So as far as running the good. ball fifty times, I think that's the only way we come out on top. And then once we do, twelve and four, baby, see you in the playoffs. Also, oh. Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels and Ernie know that they have no film on those guys. Not true. You know what I mean? Zuber's mm-hmm. got, I mean, wheels. We. Yeah. Who knows? He might. Uh, yeah. That that my, that's the thing though is like Sean McDermott might not be able to watch any film on any wide receivers because the wide receivers have zero combined touchdowns mm-hmm. and 300 yards amongst all of them. It, they might be able to judge how they run routes yeah. and stuff like that. But they have no idea what to expect, and maybe this is part of Bill Belichick's plan. And although it feels like a weekend to just absolutely hammer the shit out of the Buffalo Bills. like They're at minus 3.5 right now. It, it'll probably move to 4, I assume, as more news starts coming out. It might have already moved. I'm not 100% sure. But this feels like a game where the Bills and Bills Mafia – have to win like by a lot of points okay because i would assume there was games in the last 20 years where the patriots just ran it up on the bills i, I oh, assume yeah. there's games where Plenty. you just absolutely slaughtered the bills oh my god it was one of some of the most favorite games of my life you really. see the dolphins always oh there was always something with the dolphins mm-hmm. and the yeah. patriots right like one game would be blown up but there would always be something within miami the patriots couldn't play it was always a close game i do believe there were some games between patriots and bills that were absolute blowouts oh yeah <laughs> if you're bills mafia and you've been sick through this entire thing for 20 years and now your team gets to play the big bad wolf okay mm. and they're coming into your used to be dildo throwing stadium yep. now there's nobody allowed in there by the way they're the only team in actually the state of new york and the state of new york is completely locked down because <laughs> new york city was the hub of COVID at the beginning of that thing yes. but uh, aside from not having bill's mafia in there this is a game where i think if you're a bill's mafia member and if you're a member of the bills you have to know that your fans they're expecting a big fucking win. Like, they, they yeah. should, by the way. Like, I'm almost thinking about betting against Bill Belichick, which is like, what am I going They should win by 10 points this week. At least. 10 at least. to 14 to 7. Like, if they, because they got to bounce back. They haven't looked great, by the way, the last couple oh, of weeks. Yeah. Against the Jets, they gave the Jets a game until Jerry Hughes ended that thing with a pick, which yes. if he would have gone pick six, he would have covered. Nobody would have talked about how close of a game it was, because I think the only reason why anybody talked about how close of a game it was because the Jets covered mm-hmm. for the first time all season, which does make you question are the Bills the type of team that'll put a foot on a throat if they have exactly. it? So will they do this to the Patriots, which they should do this weekend because they are completely out of excuses at this 
this point. Yeah. They got Zoobs and Gunner playing wide receiver for the Patriots. If you're the Bills, and the conversation was Josh Allen was going to be an MVP player, and, jo- and the Bills are going to make another playoff push, and this is the year, and we're doing this thing. Week eight's time to prove it, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, this is where they can really oh separate themselves. Like they can really, you know, distance themselves from the Patriots. If if they win this weekend, the division is basically over, unless Tua comes out slinging, which he could. So does that make us think that maybe the Bills won't be able to do it because of how much pressure is on this weekend? Yes. What type of guy is Josh Allen though? Josh Allen to me feels like a player though. He feels like a game player. Now, granted, in the playoffs last year, must win game. Mm-hmm. He did pitch the ball over his guy's head yep. with like a minute thirty left. <laughs> it wasn't like a uh, uh, annexation of. Puerto Rico situation where the uh-huh. game was ending. No, no, it yeah. was he was doing that. And he did it earlier this year as mm-hmm. well. But I, we saw him down at Top Golf or whatever in our uh, our golfing contest. Oh yeah, and we told him where he stepped up to that, mm-hmm. and he he hit bombs. He did. Mm. Josh Allen, I think, is a big. T- I like the Bills this weekend. I, that's the first one. Of the weekend. Whoa! Whoa. Oh. oh, hammer against Bill. Yeah, that's the first time I've ever bet against Bill Belichick, and that's the first hammer of the weekend. I mean, after last night's Atlanta bet, which I already hit, so mm. I guess this would make me two and zero here about sixty minutes into the show on a Friday. <laughs> but that, I, I am hammering. There's no excuse for them not. And the, the only reason why I'm hammering them is because there is no excuse for them not to win by at least ten this weekend. What's up, Dix? Does the so the total there has dropped from forty five and a half to forty one because of the weather. It's supposed to be seventy percent rain uh, all game. Highs in the upper thirties. Um, the Bills or the Patriots have the better rushing. Oh, and rushing D. Does that worry? Yeah, absolutely far. does. Yes. Yeah, that, that, that absolutely worries me, and especially because they're only going to run the ball. Yes. If you look, oh, my God, I just had sushi. It almost <laughs> just came up. <laughs> that almost Wasabi. just came up right there. That was a little tough. Wasabi did get me earlier. I had, like, the old uh, teary eyeballs. There. Uh, I thought it was avocado. Uh, you don't want too that. hot. You don't want that. Much hot. It was not avocado, by the way. But, um, oh, no. Yeah, that definitely worries me. Yes. But I think Josh Allen can play a similar style of football as Cam Newton. I agree. Right? Like, mm-hmm. like, I think Josh Allen, he doesn't get his – I mean, granted, we all went nuts when he jumped over that Vikings player last mm-hmm. year or whatever. But oh, yeah. He, he kind of gets forgotten about about how athletic he is. Mm-hmm. And against that Titans game, uh, in a Tuesday night matchup against the Titans, I didn't – the entire reaction was how bad Josh Allen was. For some reason, during watching the first half of that game, I didn't think Josh Allen was that bad. It was very windy, I think. Yeah. It was tough to throw. He was running the right. He, I think he had like 50 yards rushing or something like that, 40-something yards rushing. If they have to run, they have to run. But I think just absolute gut check time. Hey, throw the stats out the window. Mm-hmm. Hey, in a divisional matchup like this, throw the records and stats out the window. Yeah, that's right. What I'm talking about is a gut check game for the mm-hmm. Buffalo Bills. Like 20 years you've been sitting in it, and this is a chance to really do something. I think they show up and do it. Yeah, for sure. It's also a gut check game for the Patriots, though. It's a gut check for Cam Newton. It's the entire team, the offensive line, because we've looked so bad these past few weeks. And if we come in with a game plan a la Kansas City where we can just completely shut down, keep it close, and then hopefully hold on to the ball, rush the rock. I mean, we might as well put 10 guys on the offensive line and just keep running. So hammer the under, it sounds like. If <laughs> yep. that's what, now, granted, Bill Belichick and you probably do not share many of the same thoughts. <laughs> well, we're going to find out. We will. We're going to find out. We will. We will. <laughs> You tell you what, YouTube talks me into being really excited about this game. I'm fired up. It's a big fucking like this is a big game. If you're Bills Mafia, this is a big game because all the shit you've just had to sit through. Think about the dedication that Bills Mafia had. Seven inches of snow coming down, two mm-hmm. feet of snow coming down. They're out there, what, in their Zubas, mm-hmm. chugging mustard and ketchup, jumping <laughs> off the top of fucking RVs, lighting things on fire, being blacked out, drunk at what 5 a.m. for oh, those yeah. games, and, and your team just lost all the time. 
Mm-hmm. Right, like it, your team was good, but they just lost all the time because the Patriots were there. The all of the commitment that Bills Mafia has had to their fan, to their team for so long, this weekend it could really become a moment where they're like, you know, let's build that RV mm-hmm. a little bit higher now. Yep, yeah, it's mm-hmm. a new day. Let's double pad that table. Let's go through two tables. Like they could have a. a this is a monumental game for the Buffalo Bills organization. I'd say. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean. I don't know. That was a pretty convincing uh, little run he made. The big Thank thing you. is now now with everyone starting to kind of shit on Bill Belichick a little bit, too, do you think that he's just like, all right, well, you know, we might stink, but we're going to win this game on Sunday no matter what? Well, yeah, that's what I'm – that's why I have a – that's why I have a very big rule of not betting against mm-hmm. Bill Belichick oh, oh. because – this feels like another game that Bill Belichick will win somehow. Yeah. Right? Like this feels exactly. like, now granted, I thought that potentially about the game where he had to travel to Kansas City on the same day of the game and they did not win that game, right? Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a chance that oh Bill will win this game somehow. Um, this feels like a game if any coach was to win it and would act very normal as if he was supposed to win it, and everybody'd be like, Yeah, is one of these games? Because Zoobs and Gunner are playing, and, and there's a rumor potentially floating around the entire locker room that everybody's on the trade block, then does that mean everybody's going to tr- play better to get a new home? Ooh. Oh, no. No, oh. I'm sticking with it. I'm not overthinking it. Bills yeah. are going to win by 10. Uh, or, you know, just pull that hammer back up, you know, redo <laughs> it. You, you, it's never too late. Yeah, yeah. It's never too by late. By the end of the show, I might lift that hammer. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this man beat the Chicago Bears uh, on Monday Night Football. He also won the NFL's All-Decade Punter title. Uh, yeah, the league wants him to be this. Yeah, PFF's the legit one. So. Yeah, yeah. Pro Football Focus named somebody else it, but it's the, the NFL one. voted this guy in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah he's in Los Angeles, bigger city, obviously. That's probably, I mean, that's why. Well, he's like six foot six, and his hit ball is like I don't know, ten to fifteen yards further than I have on a pretty regular occasion. Yeah, but PFF. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I played a whole other position than he did, but he is like fifteen <laughs> more pass attempts than I've ever had and completions. The guy is a freak athlete, ladies and gentlemen. From the Los Angeles Rams, Johnny Hecker. What's up, man? Thank you. What's up, guys? Pat, how are you doing? Hey, I'm fantastic. This has been an awesome week for you, I'd assume, around the facility. You walk a little bit taller, I'd assume, this week. You won a game on Monday Night Football. That does not happen often. Mike Cyphers did it with the Chargers against the Indianapolis Colts before I got drafted. They literally moved on from Hunter Smith. It wasn't Hunter's fault. There's nothing Hunter could have done, but Cyphers won. I get drafted the next year. You are the most recent experience that I can recall where direct effect now granted your defense has to do their job whenever you set them up and they did your defense is awesome and Goff and the boys have to take advantage of it but the field position battle that you won on Monday night against the Chicago Bears gave them no chance at all with the way the defense was playing that had to feel good when you're in the middle of that game like that has to feel so I saw the air guitar while you were running down it was awesome but you had to feel so good the entire night it's like you're in a zone I assume huh I felt good, and and you know better than anybody, sometimes you get the bounces, sometimes the bounces get you, and, uh, you know, it was just one of those nights where you hit them all, and um, Ted Ginn wasn't wasn't having any part of some of those going in balls, so thankfully to him, they they bounced the right way, and our gunners were there to make plays, and man, our... If you give our defense a field like that to defend, it's going to be tough to score on. Okay, so that 63-yarder, as that thing's turning... Okay, because that ball can either bounce straight that way and give you like a a 93-yard ball right there with the way that thing counts, or that thing can bounce straight up perfectly. Both of us, while you're watching that, are you thinking to yourself, you know, like, the rest of the game I've been getting the right bounces. This feels like this is going to come, or are you just thinking, you're just watching that thing as it's turning over? Yeah, I was just watching it thinking, 
that's that's probably going to be a touchback. <laughs> <laughs> sure enough, it bounces straight up, and that's that's when you saw the the air guitar running down the field, me getting hyped because, yeah, I mean, you know it; those balls don't bounce that way very often. So, uh, you know, I think I had people looking out for me upstairs, and I'm just glad that I was able to contribute and have fun and do it on Monday Night Football and bring some some more, you know, fans to the brand, Pat. Hey, by the way, so Shane Leckler sent me a text in the middle of it that was basically like. Do you see what this some bitch hacker is doing right now? It's like it's good. We're all like so, like I don't want to say proud. Yeah, but like proud. Like watching you do what you did was so awesome because I'm over here obviously talking to microphones about how important field position is to winning games. Like uh, like trying to you know try to educate people that have been watching a sport for 101 years at this point, how important special teams is and why the punter position is one that people should pay a little bit more attention. There's a lot going on in field position, and I think we're getting people to catch on. But then whenever the guy, okay, on Monday Night Football goes out and does what he does, it makes my job a lot easier. So I, I don't want to – I want to thank you for that, first of all. And also, I talked about this on uh, Tuesday – after the game, I have you to thank for the videos that I put on Twitter, too, because the first ever one that I did, you hit that banana ball we later talked about, and I did an entire video about it, and I was like, Johnny Hecker is unbelievable. Like, this is a ball that I've practiced. I've tried it in practice. That thing could potentially go five yards, or that thing could go perfectly 45 yards. The fact that he's doing it, that was three years ago I made that video. You brought it back out again, and you've been doing it ever since, but it got highlighted on Monday Night Football. So I want to thank you for... You know, the For the Brand videos that have done, you kind of birthed that whole thing. And then also putting that kick on the map for NFL guys, because normally just Aussie people get a chance to do that. You're, you're, you do, you've done a lot for me, pal. I want to let you know that. Hey, that is – you are doing the most with what you're given. You have a talent. Hey. And it's really fun to see see what your, uh, you know, what your career has blossomed into because, you know, you are a hell of a punter and one of those guys that a lot of young guys look at and try and kind of chose the position and play with the energy that we do because um, of kind of the, the groundwork you put in. So it's it's fun to kind of follow in your footsteps here and just to see you keep killing it, being an entertainer, commentator. And uh, you do need to talk to Romo. He kept calling it a watermelon punch. Yes. Oh. No, it wasn't Romo. It was uh, Greasy. Oh, yeah. 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 It was Greasy. And, and I texted Levy. I texted Levy. I was like, yo, hey, that's a banana kick. Like, I I, that is, I called it a chopper whenever I was trying it in practice because the thing turned sideways. And I forget who brought it. Maybe the Aussie who brought it did not tell me it was a banana kick. Then I talked to you about it. And that's called a banana ball, right? Yeah. I think actually in, like, the AFL and uh, Australia's Aussie, Aussie League, they call it the like, check side kick. Yeah. So what do you want to call it? You kind of brought it to America though. So to help, uh, I, I call it the banana. Now you're so good at it at this point. You don't even have the fear that that thing's going to go straight sideways. Because every time I tried that in practice, <laughs> I just had the fear that thing would go. How much do you? You had to practice that a long time, I assume, before you debuted that thing three years ago. Yeah, I, well, I, I was actually – I started hitting it that offseason the year I did it, and I did it in a preseason game because, we, you know, we had Coach Bones. And he's like, hey, just try it. You know, if you're going to try it, try it in a preseason game, you know, where nothing matters and the points are made up. So it was a deal where I just went out there and gave it a rip, and, and you know, it worked. And so I just kept doing it. And, uh, you know, every now and then in practice, I'll hit a knuckleball where I hit a little just too far in the middle of the ball or, or shank when that, you know, gets caught in the wind and goes 10 yards. But – um, for the most part, I've been pretty lucky in the games. Yeah, I was trying to explain to people why Ted Ginn didn't want to catch that ball because that thing's coming down and turning at a very – and he got 
he got bashed by a lot of Chicago Bears fans for not doing it. And I was trying to explain to people, like, uh, that is a very difficult ball to catch, which also adds to how good of a ball it is, by the way. It's tough to catch. You get favorable bounces, and not a lot of people are doing it. I think all those things kind of go into it. And I don't think that was talked about enough. Like, Ted Ginn, that's not like a normal ball that's just flying down at his face at that moment. Yeah, it's a great changeup. It's a fun, it's a good misdirection, too, because you can kind of show left, hit it right. And, you know, a lot of guys have the show right, pull it left. A lot of guys are doing that in the open field now. Your, your boy Rigo Sanchez kills it with that ball. Um, but, That's how you know, I made the Pro Bowl, though. <laughs> <laughs> that ball was – that was literally all I did for an entire season. It was awesome. It was – I mean, it tore my knee to pieces. You got to hit it very, very, very hard. But it was, it was absolutely awesome. And Rigoberto Sanchez is unbelievable. Um, your story is an interesting one. Because we all know that you're at Matt Hasselbeck's quarterback camp whenever you were in high school. <laughs> then you go to Oregon State or whatever, you become a punter, and now you're the guy. I mean, how did that transition happen? And how many, you got like 10 more years of this, you think, huh? I'm, I'm taking it one game at a time, Pat. <laughs> oh! I'm, I'm not going to give you, you know, the, I'm going to play for 30 years. You know, I'm, I think Morstead's going to try and play till he's 60. So I got to. <laughs> the Gary player of, uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's just, uh, it's the best position in the world, you know, with field goal kickers and with every other position there's, you do your job or you don't, but we get some gray area, you know, we can miss hit a ball and it rolls nice or, or hit a ball to the middle of the field and we get a nice bounce and it rolls out somewhere. So, um, I'm just enjoying it. You know, we have a great group of guys around me and it is, you know, being a punter is, I think definitely the best job in the world. Hey, by the way, I was when I started getting on Twitter. I started getting followers from like uh, massive Houston Texans fans. I started getting like Titans fans that would follow me while I was playing, and they love you. Like the other teams' fans love because when you come on the field, hey, this is awesome! Like, all right, show we're getting the ball back. It's the only position when you're jogging on the field you get cheered for on the away games, and at home games you get booed. So it's like a very, <laughs> it's a very interesting position. But for me, it's like everybody likes me. Everybody likes me it's, unless I had a complete shank. I'm a very well-liked position here. You're 100%. It is a very favorable position to be good at. And by the way, you, you're you incredible at it. So that's, if you sucked, it wouldn't be a great job. Yeah, I would probably wouldn't be talking to you. You'd probably be cussing me out or something. No, no, I, no, I wouldn't do it. No. I don't want to bring negativity. Enough negativity is brought to the brand, like calling it a watermelon ball or whatever. <laughs> that was a trending all around, the watermelon ball, watermelon ball. I'm like, yeah, dude. Does Johnny Hecker get no say in this thing? Unbelievable. Like what do you got, Connor? Uh, Johnny, that ball you kicked that checked up is obviously gorgeous, but also the coffin corner punts, like kind of trying to aim it out of bounds, is also a way to pin them deep. Is it more difficult to hit a ball that checks up, or you know, are the out of bounds punts, uh, you know, kind of the same difficulty? You guys are looking at me. Did he already say this? Well, no, no. We, literally, know, just, oh. we literally just talked about the uh, the check. The the check I know. I'm, I'm trying to see if the checkup is you know harder oh, than no. the Johnny Hecker. This, hey, Johnny, you don't understand. I got this, a listening this problem. Is right? This is Fucking <laughs> <laughs> listening problem. You know, you can potentially talk about something. God damn it! We let off the entire conversation. <laughs> basically. Oh no. So what do you think about the quarter? So like, the cop- I'll answer it if you want, if you want me to, Pat. Now, why don't you answer this question? It gets asked a lot. And yeah. I have my answer. You can, you can have your answer. And the answer that, I mean, is very evident. We talked about is there's a lot of different ways to do that. The coffin corner ball is kind of dead, though, at this point. Like the, the old school, old school, te- old school punters that used to just line up and try to hit it in like a 10-yard area or a 15-yard area and put it out of bounds. I have always said that that's changed because now there's six foot six guys that run four fours that are coming off the edge, and it's just a lot easier with the different balls. For you, were you ever a coffin corner guy, or was it always these trick type punts? 
No, I mean, it, it's always directional, but once you get, you know, inside the, inside the 50, you don't, I mean, hitting a spiral is a lot harder to kind of like to gauge and hit kind of easier or try and guide into a certain spot. Um, because if you miss hit one of those versus miss hitting a, an end over end ball, um, they're going to fly pretty straight to where you're aiming, but you're, I'm doing my best to just put it around the eight yard line, make the returner, make a decision. And if it's going to bounce forward, give my gunners the most real estate to either catch it themselves or, um, you know, down it if it bounces forward. But for the most part, uh, I do think the coffin corner is on its way out. And a lot of guys are hitting the Aussie ball and a bunch of different creative balls going in um, that are one harder on returners and easier on the, their gunners to, to down. And easier for the kicker, the punter to perform. The eight yard line fair catch is so perfect. Inside the 10. Okay. It's an inside the 10 stat, which is awesome for the contract whenever you're later going into that whole thing. And you don't even have to worry about a potential bad bounce for your gunner to get screwed over. It's the perfect ball. What's up, Ty? Johnny Pat always talks about, like when he was playing, about trying different things in the offseason and, you know, during practice and stuff like that. So I'm just curious. I know you said the uh, banana ball, you started practicing that this, the offseason before you actually did it. How many of these like different kind of punts do you have in your bag, and how long does it take you to practice them before you feel comfortable bringing them into a game? Yeah, I mean, you have a few, and they're always the the punts you have are always changing because you watch tape of other guys around the league, and and you see the stuff they do, and try and implement it kind of into your own practice. And during the off season, there's a lot of toying and tinkering with, you know, if I raise my drop with this kind of this kind of drop, what happens? And um, a lot of trial and error, mostly error but that's what the off season's for. And then, um, you know, it, it's really just, there's a few, I mean, there's probably three different ways to hold the ball and then it's all working on where you drop it, you know, in relation to your body, you're going to drop it inside and try and yank it across your body or drop it outside and really try and line one out. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of different things you can do with such a strangely shaped football, but, um, you know, for the most part, I, I just have, I'd say like four different punts and I can really attest them to other punters who have showed them to me. I haven't invented anything myself. Um, there's one thing that I'm working on that I don't know if I'll ever try in a game because it's... Oh, what is it? Oh, tell us. <laughs> I'll text it to you, Pat. <laughs> smart, 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 by the way. I, by the way, I might have tried it out in my laboratory in my backyard, too, and I'll be able to tell you how I failed at it. If you... I'm, I'm sure you have. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people have tried it. It's just... It's, oh, it's a lefty spiral. So you, you just hit the, through the outside of the ball. Oh, and flip the so it can turn both sides so that yeah, when it turns the, over like a lefty. Yeah. yeah, so the Bill Belichick thing where they used to bring in a lefty to change the whole, you know, dynamic because they couldn't train for it all week. You know how smart he yeah. is. Now, granted, we love Bill Belichick because he respects the brand more so than maybe any other coach in history. But that whole theory, the media cooked up, well, it's turning over a different way. That would be hilarious if you're just out there hitting one ball, it's turning over because then you're hitting. Oh, because then you're going into the boundary literally every single ball almost. It's turning over to the sideline every single ball. Oh, if you figure that out, that would be pretty fucking cool. I don't think you have a chance, but that would be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I have .001% chance, I'm going to guess. But I'll keep, I'll keep working on it. We'll see. So you're saying there's a chance. It's still Point, pretty high. Hey, .001% <laughs> chance. Pretty high. That is a pretty high chance, <laughs> yeah, depending high. on what you're talking about. Um, last question before we let you go. Yeah. Um, Aunt Becky, Lori Lachlan just started a prison sentence. How do you feel about it? Justice served, man. <laughs> uh, all right. Tell everybody we said hello. Uh, that was awesome to watch you, obviously, on Monday. Thank you so much for joining us. Good luck this weekend. Short week. You still hitting the same amount of balls? You took a couple of days off. What, how's the approach been? Yeah. Take, take a couple shots off the leg. You know, you just do what you can to recoup. It's not, not super taxing, you know, 
what we do during the week, we're, we're really given the creativity and the freedom to do what we want with our time. So um, our coaches do a great job here of, of limiting that exposure on the field. So just be smart, do what, do what you need to do to feel confident when you get into the game. I mean, there's no way you're going to be able to make that happen, right? I mean, yeah, you got to turn turn the ball out, like this here. Yeah. Oh, because then it's like you're a lefty, actually, yeah. which is what you're trying to be. Because yeah. normally you're an inside drop, right? Don't you tilt the nose in a little bit whenever you drop that thing? Yeah. See, I was yeah. always a straight ahead guy. Okay, so I kept the my ball was hopefully as straight as possible and as flat as possible. Uh, but I tried to hold on. You turn it in a little bit, and you have that ball where you go back across your body that goes like ninety five yards every single time you hit it. That thing is awesome, by the way. Yeah, there were the miss hits that go thirty yards out of bounds, but it's you know. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, but it didn't do that in the Super Bowl, so who gives a damn, right? I mean, that <laughs> yeah, is, it, it, oh, <laughs> you got that forty yard bounce in the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Going, so you're turning this thing this way and you're hitting it this way. Good luck, man. And if you do it in a preseason game, I hope I get a chance to see it. I, that just feels like that is a hey, but that's what you do. You make magic happen with your foot, ladies and gentlemen. Johnny Hacker. Yeah. So sorry to interrupt. I just want to let you know that. Um, Whatever you're sleeping on, when it comes to a mattress, if you're not sleeping on a Lisa mattress, you're sleeping on dog shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I know. Before I got one, and then now you, when I have it, yeah, it's, I mean, night and day. Oh, speaking of, you're in your mattress normally night and day. True. Okay. People always just, you know, say, well, the mattress is where you uh, spend uh, like 60% of your life because that's where you sleep or whatever. It's like, no, no, no. I think we've all realized that the mattress is more than just a sleep place. It's a hangout place. It's a love make place. It's a let's get things done place. Mm-hmm. Let's be as comfortable as we can possibly be in place because the old outdated way of buying mattresses, getting mattresses and knowing if a mattress is right for you is all bullshit. Yeah, it really is. Just think back in the day, a computer used to be the size of a building mm-hmm. and then somebody came along and changed the entire game. Yep. The internet used to be, and then you had to wait for that entire thing. That's what the internet used to be. And then somebody came in and changed the whole game. Mm-hmm. That was pretty good, by the way. Thank you. That was pretty damn good. I used to have to do that to watch Kimbo Slice fights that I would have to mm-hmm. uh, log into to see what was going on back in like high school and junior high. Yep. But all those things changed with a brilliant human coming along and saying, hey, this isn't how it should be anymore. Think about the phone. It used to be on this uh, fucking thing. <laughs> you uh, used to have to do the whole thing. Couldn't leave the kitchen usually. Mm-mm. Then somebody came along and said, here's how you do it. That's what happened in the mattress industry with our friends at Lisa. The archaic, old, stupid, non-convenient, dumb way of buying a mattress has completely changed because of our friends at Lisa. Mm-hmm. I've done you, do. them. you go to Lisa.com. L-E-E-S-A.com. And they have uh, multiple options of beds, mm-hmm. okay? And these beds have all been researched to be the most comfortable bed you could possibly fucking lay on. They tested bodies. They've done, oh, you like it a little firm? You like it a little soft? They find the perfect mixture to make sure the bed that you have is the most comfortable bed you've ever slept on. They've actually done scientific research to find that. Yeah, a lot of hours spent on that. And you don't have to go to some weird-ass store. You do this from the comfort of your own home or in the car when you're on your phone. Where, By the way, not while you're driving, obviously. Not while you're driving. Or at work or on your phone. They've taken the convenience and upped it about 7,000% like all those other industries. Mm-hmm. They've made the product about 7,000 times better like all those other industries. And now, right now, 
Lisa at Lisa.com, L-E-E-S-A.com. When you use promo code McAfee, M-C-A-F-E-E, you get up to $200 off their original mattress. Mm-hmm. Great mattress. Very nice mattress. You can get up to $350 off their hybrid mattress. Hello, hot and cold. How you doing? Keep it moving. Most comfortable bed I've ever laid on. That's the one that I have. Or you can get up to $500 off their legend mattress, which I haven't got a chance to try yet, but I will make the move to whenever this Hybrid mattress has run its course after a few years because the Lisa mattress lasts a long, long time. I'm worried that if I get that one and I go to sleep, I may just never wake up. Well, you won't die there, but no, you might never get up. That's what I mean. Like, I'll just hibernate for the next 30 years. Well, that is a concern whenever you find a mattress that's as comfortable as the Lisa mattress is that you could end up as the 400-pound life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But that's a risk you should be willing to take, especially with how comfortable these mattresses are. Yeah, it is. So the, the tagline is get up to a $500 off a mattress. Mm-hmm. But what I think the tagline should be is, hey, sleep better, be more comfortable, and stop with all the bullshit. That's great. Shout out to Lisa.com. L-E-E-S-A.com. Promo code McAfee up to $200 off the original mattress, up to $350 off the hybrid mattress, up to $500 off the legend mattress. Mm-hmm. All right. You should do this, by the way. Yeah, you really should. It's the perfect time. It's about to get cold as hell. It is bed season coming upon us. And if you are in the market for a new bed, I assure you, you will not find a more comfortable one. Or more convenient. It shows up at your fucking doorstep. I haven't done the market research, but I'm not so sure that uh, mattress stores survived the quarantine. So this might be your only option. That's good news. Yeah, it really is. Shows up in a box at your doorstep. You unbox the box, which takes less than five minutes. You cut the vacuum seal. Bed pops into place. Boom, here we are. Done. How easy was that? Pretty easy. And comfortable. Lisa.com. L-E-E-S-A.com. Promo code McAfee. All right, back to the show. And joining us before we get to Hugh Jack City is uh, an incredible gentleman who's a national champion and a Super Bowl champion, uh, A.J. Hawk. What up, A.J.? Going on, guys, I didn't know Hugh has his own tequila. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Last couple times he's been on, he's been selling. I guess it's really good from what I've been told. I, I, last time I drank tequila, uh, ended up in jail. So I don't do much of the tequila anymore, although it's a good time from what I've been told. And I have experienced pretty mightily. But I uh, I have not tried Hugh Jack's uh, tequila. But we should give it a go at some point. What about the rocks? Uh, Terramana. Oh, okay, Terramana listen, is delicious. Listen, if I'm going to get a, <laughs> if I'm gonna get a, uh, a Terrarita, Okay, which is a margarita with terramana. Maybe I'll dive back into that, you know, made with uh, sweat equity and blood. Hell yeah. uh, All that stuff. But uh, AJ, you a big uh, tequila guy? No, I'm not. But tequila, it's been pretty big, I feel like, over the last, like, five years. A lot of people, at least that I'm around, like, my age group is starting to get to uh, tequila a lot more than, than before. Well, that's because uh, you know, on Friday, whenever you get out of the Iron Paradise mm-hmm. and uh, you're driving on your Ford F-150, you can uh, stop by and <laughs> and shake a uh, Terramana <laughs> and, you know, have that alongside your cookie. I, I think it is like a uh, – I think it's one of those things where it's like a sophisticated drunk. I think it's like – wine like people drink wine you know they're like the rich drunks and the mm-hmm. rich alcoholics get all oh. boozed up and drive through your iron gate yeah just have some <laughs> <laughs> not sure that happened okay uh, for those oh, listening shit. at home that was nick Morado talking about the rock actually by the work. way oh. um 
But yeah, tequila feels like one of those drinks where people feel real good about themselves when they're drinking it. My wife loves tequila, actually. She's a big tequila fan, so I just can't do it. Just the smell, everything. It's like, for instance, uh, what are those things? Soco and uh, lime. lime. Soco and limes. I had a run with Soco and lime. Oh, yeah. Where if I was to smell that right now, I might vomit on the spot. (laughs) Like, actually vomit on the spot. Tequila has that same feeling, but I do understand that people love it because my wife is a big old fan. Delicious. From what I've been told, Hugh Jackson loves the tequila. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Can't you say Soko and Lime. Soko and Lime a hell of a run. Did you do that, AJ? No, you were a mutant. Did you party in college? You, you didn't talk in college, right? <laughs> I, mean, I didn't mutant. speak a whole lot. I, I wasn't scared to, to have some drinks. I went through oh. a whole like, range of what I used to drink, some nasty stuff. I was into Southern Comfort for a little bit. I was yeah. into the nastiest thing ever, Bacardi O and Orange Gatorade. Mm-hmm. Oh. I drank that a lot. I would pour half the Gatorade out and just half Bacardi, half it Gatorade. You and now I, I would never want well, see, I used to do that, but just with vodka, like the cheapest vodka. I'd put that well, in. With- I switched to vodka, yeah, after I got so sick of that Bacardi O and realized, what am I doing here? <laughs> if you really wanted to have a night, you just go ahead and stare down a bottle of Bacardi 151 and you say, hey, listen, <laughs> we're not doing any fire tricks here. We're just going to go ahead and take over this town tonight. It, it, that was always a good time. I, you know, I've, I've kind of drifted away from the alcohol thing. I, I see a lot of people that drink whiskey, though. That seems like a cool thing to be, like, into. Like, they, they, they'll, like, it sip cool. it at night or whatever. Like, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Yeah, and I'm saying that because there's a lot of people in this office that do that. And, and they seem so cool when they're talking about it. You know, like, oh, <laughs> cup of whiskey at night. Because Ryan Gosling, he, he made it look cool. Drink Was he drinking Manhattan? Manhattan's, yeah. 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 In that movie. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it was Mad Men, wasn't it? Because that, that was a big part Yeah, speakeasies yeah. became like a big thing. I went back to Pittsburgh one time in the middle of these guys' little Mad Men run. Diggs had his hair slicked back. He had this whole thing going. <laughs> and we went to this goddamn speakeasy. They're like, oh, we got this new place you're going to love. We walk in there, there's newspapers up on the fucking wall, and there's boarding. I'm like, where are we? Like, oh, yeah, it's like the, you know, the culture. Like, it's a <laughs> smoke butts inside. I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, hey, can I get 50 shots or something? <laughs> uh, no, not here, Pat. Uh, please, have a little fucking. Oh, it's so funny. Look at now. He's Yellowstone. And now he's now he's uh, Yellowstone. He's going through. I'm the, a chameleon. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit of a chameleon. I'm happy we got through that. Hat Diggs has on. Like, is, Diggs, how much was that hat? Like a real one is expensive. Yeah, it's not that expensive. <laughs> Jesus, it's not a real one. It's a fake one. It looks, well, it's looks somewhere good. in between. What do you mean? Real? Yeah, what do you, do you, I think a real one's like it, hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Is that a Stetson? It does look like JR. You look like Jim Ross's hat. Good, yeah. Hey, JR, is that a hat that you would wear or not? Hot damn, Pat. That's, that's a fucking really good looking Stetson. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would say that you are probably the guy that everybody, whenever they think of a yeah. a Stetson hat that looks exactly like the one that Diggs is wearing, they go immediately like, oh, that's good old JR's hat, isn't it? Well, Pat, everyone knows that a good fucking strong hat makes for a great commentator. And Tony Diggs is here, sitting side saddle with you and the boys. Uh, doling out weather, she's doling out picks, fantasy football, may have retired from, but, you know, hey, kid had a hell of a fucking run. <laughs> What's your favorite football team? Not in college, by the way. I don't want to hear anything about you and the Boomer Sooners, pal. Well, Pat, you know, I'm a... Uh Oh, I if, you're, if you're going to limit me, I'm going to go Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, <laughs> how come? Why are you going to go Pittsburgh Steelers? Because that's a very interesting answer, because I have a JR story about the Pittsburgh Steelers. My wife, my, my, <laughs> yeah, my late exa- wife. My late wife was a big Steelers fan. That's exactly it, by the way. I was asked to get tickets for uh, Jim Ross and uh, his wife whenever we played the Steelers on Thanksgiving, I do believe. Really? That's our only encounter. That was it. Really? Never, never talked to the guy again. Well, never, yeah, he appreciated it. Well, what he wanted. It's the only time we ever talked. <laughs> then you hired him, kid. <laughs> uh, AJ, big games this weekend. Steelers playing the Ravens. Harbaugh is 10-2 coming off of a bye week. Ooh. 
Steelers were supposed to have a bye week somewhere around now, mm-hmm. but the Titans had COVID or whatever, so it's been moved. How do you see that one playing out? It feels like this is good versus good going on, and I don't know if I'm going to change my opinion about either team depending upon who loses. I'm just excited to hear what you think about it. Yeah, it, so when I when I sit there and look at it, you never know with Lamar. Like, okay, how are they going to stop Lamar? What are you going to do? I feel like the Steelers have the D-line and the outside rushers to – have like a, a nice plan. They have they'll be disciplined. Cam Hayward in the middle, I think, get a good push. Doesn't let uh, Lamar have too much action. He's in the he's in the lineup, right? He's not hurt, is he? No, he's in it, I believe. He's, he's playing. I, I do he's believe fine. he is playing. Hugh, Hugh Jackson was supposed to join us four minutes ago. He's not there. Oh, oh no! Power out. Too many glasses. Tequila. Tequila, right? Uh oh. In Hugh Jackson City. <laughs> too much Grand Leendas. No, his name is Tequila. What's Oops. it called? Grand Leyenda. He he says it's very good. He sucks it down. That's why he's not here right now. <laughs> I don't want to say that. I mean, that's okay. quite quite an aggressive statement. We're in the middle of 2020. Anything could no, happen. No, no, you didn't say it. I, I said it. Oh, you said some scumbag things today. Yeah. Like, we <laughs> really did. Boy, um, have they been wrong? AJ, the... <laughs> hey, they have not. Uh, um, Trevor Lawrence uh, test positive for COVID. This weekend, uh, he's out against Boston College. I guess the ACC rules are if you have COVID, you have to be out for 10 days. Mm-hmm. Contact tracing, though, you're out for 14 days. Huh. So since he got COVID with his first test being on Wednesday, 10 days, he could be back for next week against Notre Dame. And that all seems to be the only conversation anybody's having. Let's just hope that this kid survives, huh? Because COVID, yeah. COVID, I mean, this could take him out. This could Never take know. out the it number could. one pick, couldn't it? There is a percentage that says it could take him out. What is that percentage, Connor? Do you know? Uh, yeah, the uh, percentage for uh, fatalities between the ages of 20 and 49. Oh, no, 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 no. 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 We're not doing that, okay? We just got we just got Jack and Zuckerberg and whoever's ahead of Google to put on this little fact-checking thing. And this whole, We just got dumped off the internet. Sorry about that. But Trent Lawrence here, this is a very large name to be having a COVID uh, situation in college football. Everybody said it's not going to happen to Ohio State. It's not going to happen to Clemson. Everybody thought it wasn't going to happen to Alabama, but Nick Saban somehow beat COVID in 24 it, hours. Yeah. I don't know how that <laughs> happened. Right on him. But it's, it's a very interesting thing. Does this shape up anything in your eyes with what Trevor Lawrence is going to do the rest of the season? Does, he, uh, does this change anything at all other than the fact he won't play against Boston College? And a man named uh, DJ uh, Ui Ongalele uh, will be the starter, I do believe. No, it doesn't change anything for me. All it does, it shows me that the SEC has much better plan in place for when guys get COVID or they have to do contact tracing. I heard Trevor Lawrence, there's a rule that if he was experiencing symptoms before Wednesday, then it's possible he could come back even a few days sooner. Really? So they could just... I don't know. 10 days I just after read you, something. I don't know if that's true or not. I believe I saw this morning that it was 10 days after you start symptoms. I assumed it might have been 10 days so after he's you gonna, positive, but... So then is the contact tracing from the day that that person started experiencing symptoms? That, so if I don't have it and I'm in the ACC, but I've uh, been around somebody that has it, I'm out 14 days, they're out 10 days. I would assume that's the same then from when the sy- symptoms started. So anybody that was around him for any day that they say ahead of that. So then that's the roll of the dice. It's like, okay, what day are we going to say that it was? Well, he started getting symptoms on Monday. Okay, well, now we got to go to his little house arrest thing and see who all he was around from Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And then maybe the contact tracing would be too high. Well, the report is that for him, he will be back next week before the Notre Dame game in a top five clash. 
Yeah, well, if he survives, which yeah, is what well, we true. hope happens. Hopefully. Uh, we have to pivot back to the NFL because joining us now is a man who was a head coach for a long time and a man that has his own tequila named? Z. Uh, Grand Leenda. Grand Leenda, ladies and gentlemen, from Hugh Jack City, Hugh Jackson. Yeah! going on Hugh how we doing hey Hugh coach what times is 205 fucking meeting starting at I was gonna ask you that oh! <laughs> uh, we appreciate the hell out of you for joining us Hugh uh, how is life yeah. I understand 2020 is a wild time for everybody how are you doing how's the tequila uh, tequila is going great uh, matter of fact, we partnered with the Black Hole. Uh, we were there last week. Uh, obviously, they didn't win the game, but uh, we had some great time uh, with uh, Gorilla Rilla and a whole bunch of other people. It was his birthday. I was celebrating my birthday as well. So happy birthday, by the way, to you and Gorilla Rilla. Uh, honestly, happy birthday to all of you guys. Uh, yeah, we had the tequila flowing and going, and it was good. Uh, but uh, watching football from afar, enjoying watching these games and uh, seeing the pandemic, what it's doing to football, it's been different. It's been a different year, as you just mentioned. So, we're uh, just going to see how this thing's going to unfold here at the end. What do you think? Massive AFC North matchup this weekend between the Steelers and the Ravens. You spent a lot of time in the AFC North, both when you were the head coach of the Browns and then when you went up with Marvin up to the Cincinnati Bengals. Everybody's pumped about this Steelers-Ravens game. What, what do you expect from it? And is there just a certain thing that you know in the AFC North with the way football is going to be? It feels like everybody's playing the same exact style of football that they've been playing in the AFC North for like the last 60 years, it feels like at this point. No, Pat, you just said it. I mean, obviously, those are the two best teams in the division. Uh, when you're talking about Baltimore and Pittsburgh, um, they're kind of off their game a little bit. I'm thinking of Baltimore that way. Baltimore is throwing the ball. They're 32nd throwing the football. And uh, that's a problem. And I know they went into their bye week trying to get that corrected uh, because that's going to be the Achilles heel. I think uh, the Chiefs kind of exposed who they are a little bit and how to beat them. And so you can best believe that Pittsburgh is going to use that uh, to uh, try to uh, win this game this week in Baltimore. Coach Harbaugh is one of the best coaches coming off a bye. If I'm not mistaken, he's won the last four in a row uh, after coming off a bye. So that's going to be an advantage for them. When you think about Lamar Jackson, the guy has an 857% winning percentage. So it's 24-4, <laughs> something like that in the regular season. So this is an unbelievable matchup. But when I watch the Steelers defensively, they're as good as anybody. And they're going to stop the run. You're not going to run the option up and down the field against them. You're not going to run this outside zone, inside zone lead plays against them. They don't play that. So they're going to have to throw the football to win. And we're going to find out if Baltimore has fixed that. And on the other side of it, Pittsburgh needs to get back to running the ball a little bit better. I mean, if they're on the ball, uh, they have some other receivers that, in my mind, have displaced Juju uh, uh, Smith-Schuster. Uh, he's had 11 straight games where he's been under 100 yards. Uh, so you're looking at Claypool, you're looking at Johnson, and that's where the ball is going from Big Ben. But James Conner is going to be the key to this game. He will be. Wow, Hugh. Uh, let's say you you were Lamar Jackson's quarterback coach. What would you do with him? Like, how would you find a way with all of his talent to to put that out there and let him make plays? I think what you have to do is find the things that he does well. What are the throws that consistently? 
he makes uh, day in and day out, week in and week out, and you gotta you gotta run those. You gotta put him in position to feel good as a quarterback that the things that you have in this game plan that he can execute at a high level. Because there's pressure going into this game. He knows that he hasn't performed as well them him personally and them as a team throwing the football. Why do you think they just brought Des Bryant in? I mean, there's a reason for all the things that's happening. So I'm going to do everything I can to make him comfortable within our game plan. And during that bye week, I would have really spent just an unbelievable amount of time uh, getting him and those receivers on the same page. Uh, I have a question. Speaking of, like, expectations and whatever, you know what I mean? Uh, the Buffalo Bills this weekend, they play host to the New England Patriots. It's been 20 years. The New England Bay, the big bad wolf up the street, has run things. Now, it is alleged that everybody in the Patriots organization is currently for sale. That Bill Belichick <laughs> is potentially trading away the defensive player of the year. Who knows whoever else could be going. Cam Newton's come out and said that basically he needs to get his shit together. Actual quote, he said expletive. I'll say it here because I'm allowed to. That game for the Buffalo Bills, though, if you're the head coach of that team, you know Bill's mafia has been waiting for this. This is like the this is a pivotal game in the history of our organization. As a player, you have to know that as well, right? This feels like a game where the Bills are potentially winning by two scores if they really want to, you know, make a statement that the AFC East might have been yours for a long time, but now it's ours because there's no excuse not to at this point. None. I mean, that you just said it. I mean, the Bills need to go claim their rightful spot this season in their division, and they do it this week. I truly believe they beat the Patriots. The quarterback needs to play a little bit more consistent. He needs to go back and be what he was earlier in the year. Uh, they need to play a little bit better defensively. They're not playing as good a defense at Buffalo as they had last year. So they need to turn that back on. But one thing you do know about Buffalo, they have the potential to score. And right now the Patriots are struggling trying to find ways to score points. So I think this is going to be the Bills' opportunity to really uh, knock the king off the hill. Oh, man, that'd be awesome. Hey, Hugh, I, oh, yeah. I know you've worked for some – you've been a head coach where you've had some owners that are, are very, very involved, I guess, in game plans and what you're doing. I just – how do you balance that? I remember – so Hugh was the OC the one year I was in Cincinnati. I used to watch Hugh dance through the locker room at 545 with your breakfast. It was great to see. You always got me excited. Get I my shoes. And Hugh's already dancing at 545 yelling if anyone's quiet. That's he was the best. He always brought a lot of juice. I, I appreciate it. That a lot in the offense scored about a billion points. Made the defense, <laughs> the defense much easier, Hugh. But I guess they told me, I remember talking to a coach and he said, Oh, yeah, Mike Brown is in all our, like when we watch the film as a staff on Monday morning, Mike Brown's there. And I, I've, I've learned there's other teams where the owner does that as well. I came from Green Bay. I didn't, that was so foreign to hear. Like, how do you balance that when you're the head coach and you have all this input from people above you? Right. There is a, you said it, you have to be able to balance it, but you know that going in, probably the guy that I worked for who was really involved was Al Davis. Al Davis coached the defense. <laughs> he made the defensive calls. So people need to know that that's what he did when he hired me. He says, Hugh, you coach the team and the offense. The defense belongs to me. I say, Al, I got you, babe. I, that, that's what it was. And so you knew that heading in. And then we lost him because he died, you know, in 2011. So that was tough. That was a tough transition for the coaches, for the players, for me, because he was the defensive coordinator. Cincinnati, you mentioned Mike Brown. Mike Brown was a little bit different. His thing was about the quarterback. He wanted to make sure that the quarterback was being protected and how he was playing because he had an affinity for quarterbacks. That's who Mike Brown was. He was just, that's the way he saw it. 
Jimmy Haslam was totally different. He wanted to know everything about everything in every position. So you learn all these different styles. And there's times, I'm being very honest, it rubbed you the wrong way because you don't have time for that. And then there's times where you understood that they really wanted to know because hopefully they want to know because they want to help. They want to help put you in a better position to be successful. And the guys, in my opinion, the owners who are involved, who are doing it because they want to help the coach be successful, then more power to them. I think Green Bay needs an owner right now. So, like, for instance, we have a big Green Bay Packer fan in here. His name's Ty Schmidt, and uh, he's one of the owners of uh, the Packers. You know, a lot of owners, a lot of fans. Oh, that are owners yes. <laughs> but, like, they were one game away from the Super Bowl last year, and they did not – attack it this offseason in the draft to get them over that hump and now it's trade deadline time and it doesn't sound like or seem like anybody has any faith in them making some moves if they had an owner there that was there like hey we let's we need one more like we need to go like let's go ahead and do that i think that is a downfall or a drawback to having a fan-owned team where it's like you don't have that one voice that's like hey we're doing this like last night for instance tapper was up in his suite and i i think matt rule is going to punt the ball and i think he actually had a button that he hit that he was like no we're going for it at this particular time like that is i think at times that's a good thing though too whenever it comes to the direction of a franchise no, it is. I mean, oh, I, no, I, you, you don't think so. You don't think like I, I, I do. I think that is important because if you have that support, I mean, at, at the end of the day, if we all share the same vision, we have a chance to get there. If we don't, that's the biggest problem. If they see it one way and I see it a different way, it's not going to work. That, I, I just think everybody understands that. So you have to be collaborative. You have to be aligned correctly because if you're not, then things just don't flow right and they don't work because you might be trying to win when they're not trying to win and you might see it as a passing team and they may see it as a running team. So you have to get all that stuff worked out way before. But it is a good to have somebody to say, hey, look, we're two players away from having a chance of being really good or a quarterback or away, a corner away, you know, a great linebacker that's right here with us today away from being really good. That's that's really important. Hey, whenever you just said something there, it kind of uh, piqued my interest about what's going on in the Jets. Whenever you said, like, you're trying to win, maybe somebody else isn't trying to win. Has there ever been a situation, I don't want to just say for you, but in the NFL that has been as obvious that maybe a franchise doesn't want to win, but the coaches and players are coaching their asses off or playing their ass off trying to make as much money as possible as the Jets are this year it really feels like that is something from an organizational standpoint completely okay if we lose because there's Trevor Lawrence sitting there by the way I think I was on a team that was potentially looking at a lot of things that way whenever Andrew Luck was sitting there but whenever you just said something like hey maybe we're trying to win they're trying to not that is an interesting thing I didn't know it was that common of a situation I think in my opinion you know and I think you said it very well players and coaches they don't they don't understand that losing because we you don't sign up to lose but we all know it happens and i really believe you know it normally starts way up top and uh, because there's no way you're going to ever convince a coach or you're going to ever convince a player to to lose his value as a coach or a player so you know you get paid for winning as a coach you get endorsements and other things and better contracts for being really good as a football player so i think you said it extremely well those decisions are normally higher up than they are when it comes to coaches and players. Diggs, what do you got? Coach, uh, your former quarterback, Baker, seems to play great against bad teams and then obviously not so well against good teams. Is it more than just that their defenses are really good? Or what is it that makes Baker maybe not perform as well against the better teams? Well, I think that's a good question. I think it's disappointing that it's, it's seen that way, but that's what – 
the statistics say. You know, when they play teams, uh, the Baltimore, the Pittsburgh caliber, he doesn't play as well. You play Cincinnati, he's played them twice. He's played extremely well. I thought what they did last week that was different is they played him a little bit more shotgun than what he had been playing. And he played extremely well. There was no OBJ. And to see him do what he did, completing, what, 21 of 22 passes in a row, the only incomplete was a spike and throw five touchdowns, that tells you the guy can play. Now what they got to do is harness all of that and put him in whatever system that is for him to continue to grow and be successful. And that's what everybody should be looking for. I'm intrigued to see how that plays out because you and I and AJ and we all know at this point, new GM, new head coach, there's no real loyalty there between anybody whenever who was ever there before. This is a big year for Baker, and I think he obviously knows that. And in the AFC North, it is going to be trouble. How's the tequila business? We have to ask about it. We oh, have yeah. to talk about it. How, where do we get it? What's the actual name? Are we pronouncing it right? Grand, Grand Leenda. Let's go. Yes, we did pronounce it right. That's good. One hundred percent USDA organic tequila. Oh. Yeah. Preach it. We're in Florida. We're in Las Vegas. Really strong in Las Vegas. We're in Los Angeles. Uh, we're in in Texas now. Uh, we're scaling it. And obviously, as I said, we have an unbelievable partnership with the Black Hole that we're very excited about in um, doing some great things that way. But we have them all from Blanco to Silver to Resposado to Nejo. We're going to have an extra Nejo that's coming out. Extra Nejo. Extra, <laughs> baby. That means it's been sitting there for seven years. Oh, oh. 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 you. Absolutely. And it is the best. And it is smooth. No burn. Not a big burn. Ooh. And you sip this. This is not go take a shot. No, no, no. This no, is not no, go no. take it and mix it all up. No, this, no. This, this is the this is good. This is the prime of the tequilas. And we'll compete with anybody. Casamigos, Don Julio. Anybody can get it, coach. Bring them on. Teddy Mama. <laughs> How about Dwayne Johnson, Terramana? Well, let's go, Dwayne. Oh! Oh! Let's go. Let's compete. Uh, I like that. Coach, we appreciate you every time you uh, stop by. Thank Who's going to win the Super Bowl this year? Oh, boy. I think it's still going to be the Chiefs. All right. They got a lot of weapons, dude. They just added Lev Bell. They just added a back that is as good as anybody in the National Football League. How about Antonio Brown going to Tampa? If you're a coach. That is, well, I see the Chiefs playing the Bucs. Me too, by the way. It was a plus 2,300 bet before the season. We put it in there, and I was buying into the hype, and I did it, and it seems like it's paying off. Last question before we let you go, because this, this is I'm, – I'm happy we stumbled into this. Whenever they brought in Antonio Brown, obviously there was a lot of – People that didn't love it, right? There's people obviously off the field. We hope justice is served. I assume everybody that is a human feels that way. We hope justice is served either way, whichever way it goes. But whenever you're talking about a football standpoint, bringing him in, and you've got to play a coach against him, he immediately makes them better. And everybody's worried about like the chemistry being a problem. That guy is the guy, right? I mean, that guy is a guy. It, it's a problem. He is a real dude. And the thing that's going to make it special He's with another dude. He's with the GOAT. Yeah. So there's a reason why he's there, and everybody understands it, and the GOAT's going to make sure that this guy is the dude because he's one of the best receivers in football, and he will elevate that team because he can do some things that some of the other receivers on their team can't. And he also takes a lot of the attention to the defense, right? Because they have to plan for him. They have to plan for Gronk. They have to plan for Evans. Now they also got Godwin in there. That just, that just changes the math of everything. They are different now. I mean, all the way around when he's playing for them with Mike Evans and God. I mean, they just drunk. I mean, you just you just named so many guys. You didn't even mention Ronald Jones, who's as fast <laughs> as all get out. You know, 
And Leonard Fournette, he can barely get on the field. So that goes to show they have players. And so they're going to do some special things. And the reason why I think they are is because they're also great on defense. People forget how good the Bucks are on defense. And I think they have a really good football team right now. Same with the Chiefs, by the way. Chiefs defense is humming mm-hmm. as well. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, go have Grand Lee Enda. Enda, which I believe legend, I've been told. Grand legend. You said it. Mm. You're on it. Hey, no, you are a Leanda, <laughs> sir. Ladies and gentlemen, Hugh Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate you, Hugh. Um, I like you. I like you a lot. I wonder how Grand Leanda is, though. We should try that. He said he'll compete with anybody. Hey, hey, delicious, it sounds like. We'll, go, we'll, we'll drink this tequila at my house, your house, yeah. parking lot. We'll compete anywhere you need to compete at, AJ. Have I you ever had Grand Leando? What was You said Hugh Jackson came through 5.30 a.m. with his breakfast skipping. He was an energy guy. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. He was always about the he, – he held dudes accountable, too, on offense. He was the offensive coordinator that year. But, yeah, where my locker was set up, like the coaches have to come down and walk – through the locker room, go get their food or whatever, and then come back. And he was always really early. And I'm, I'd be over there tying my shoes, and it was always every day. He was dancing, singing to himself, yelling at dudes if they look like they're moping around. Like I appreciated that. Wow. I'm sure you would have loved it. Your fake enthusiasm, you would have got him so juiced every single day. Oh my! I was just thinking in my head of him walking through. And he'd be like, "Let's go, you!" <laughs> I was a big ah guy in the back when people were dancing you know what i mean like let's keep he would have been your guy that he would have been the perfect coach for you to be sitting in the locker room for because he would he would have been all in with you like narrating his whole walk through the locker room i see you with a little two-step there with the left side there oh don't let the scrambies drop though don't let the scrambies drop (laughs) so sorry to interrupt just want to let you know that um water from a can is actually the most delicious and cold water you've ever had in your entire life yeah never thought i'd say it but it is okay when i was a kid we used to drink out of the hose okay i don't think you do that anymore for god knows whatever reason who knows who's coming through there but let me take a little trip down uh nostalgia lane here so the water that used to come out of the hose in my house after i kicked a ball against the side of the wall for hours and hours and i just go over it was somehow the coldest water and it tasted the best Mm -hmm. and it was just like i would literally just guzzle that goddamn thing oh yeah so then time moved on. People stopped doing that for obvious reasons, whatever the case, whether it was, you know, shit getting in the water, you can't trust it, whatever, you, you know. And then the bottled water became like the fad and then this and that and that. And then liquid death came along in this water in a can. And by the way, when you put something in a can, it's automatically colder. Automatically. Scient- scientifically proven that mm-hmm. it gets colder faster, okay? Mm-hmm. So when I drink this liquid death, I was uh, alarmed by the name. Sure. Liquid death. And the original read. And the original read was pretty wild. aggressive. Pretty pretty aggressive. Mm-hmm. But we couldn't deny how damn cold and great the water tasted coming out of the can. The product is incredible. So whenever you go to like a 7-Eleven or a gas station or something like that, and you want an, a nice cold water, which is one of the most refreshing drinks ever. It's probably, the, in my eyes, the most. But I know there's some people that will probably say something else, so I didn't want to say the most. But in my eyes, the most refreshing drink is a nice cold water. Mm-hmm. So I happen to be the exact demographic that I think Liquid Death is shooting for. But when you go into a gas station, the plastic bottles... Never cold. Never cold. Ever. Ever. They really aren't. Huh. You, you, you have to ask, like, did they just put this in here? Or is it not cold because people are opening the fucking thing? And over? Let me tell you this. You get a Liquid Death can, it would be ice fucking cold. <laughs> yes, it will. And if you get a Liquid Death uh, case and you put it at your house, you put it in the fridge, every time you crack that open, you're going to go, oh, that is awesome. Mm-hmm. 
coldest water you ever taste. And coming out of the can, greatest tasting water you ever taste. I agree. Liquid death has really changed the entire game for us on the whole water world over here. It really has. I think people think it's kind of like bullshit, maybe hyperbole, how cold it is. Like, no joke here. You put this thing in the fridge for 10 minutes, and it is ice cold. Ice cold. Like, almost hurts your teeth if you have sensitive teeth ice cold. Yeah. And by the way, it's not like, because you can't put the cap back on, a lot of people are like, well, you can't close it or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, first of all, the hole's so small at the top, you can walk around with it, put it in your car, and not worry about it spilling. Right. Right? Like, the bottle isn't really that secure. You have to have the cap on. It's not like that. It'll stay cold. It will. <laughs> somehow, For hours and hours. I don't know the science around the aluminum kit. It'll keep that bitch cold, though. It's a modern marvel. It really is. It makes no sense. Be a part of a modern marvel and change the way you drink water. Go with Liquid Death, the canned water that is colder than any other water on the fucking planet. Well said. Back to the show. This is Don't Leave Me Lonely by Late Night Special Band. It's an absolute heater. Just like our guest that we're about to have here. This man's playing the best golf he's been playing in a long, long time. This man is a two-time, two-time Masters winner, 12-time PGA Tour winner. Had that big pink driver, not sure if he still does or not. Incredible name, great golfer, Bubba Watson. How are you, Bubba? Great. How are you doing, man? Hey, not too shabby. I, I feel like um, maybe the enthusiasm from the room kind of <laughs> caught you off guard there. There was a lot of yelling. I, I hope you uh, I hope you appreciated that because we're very excited. We don't do a lot of golf conversations, Bubba. I hope you know that. Yeah, I can tell because you didn't know if I still use the pink driver. So uh, <laughs> obviously, you know, but it was good. It's do, good you know at least I have a pink driver. Do you, do you use it still? Yeah, for sure, man. Look at that! We, uh, I, knew. I knew. I felt good we about it. We do it for charity, so it's we gotta we gotta keep it going. Every new batch of drivers we try to put out for charity, uh, so it's fun. Well, I'll tell you what. Whenever you have that pink driver that you were playing with last week when he came in fourth or whatever, and really making a run at that thing, whenever you have that thing out there, I remember whenever you kind of bursted on the scene, right? Like, and I don't want to say burst on the scene. You've probably been golfing your whole life, but when you bursted on the scene, there was all these like mythical stories. You're like, Bubba, this guy taught himself how to swing, and then whenever you got up to a tee box, you're like, this guy is going to slaughter this golf ball here. There was like all these stories, and you had that big old swing, and when that pink driver comes out i mean the it brings the people to their feet mm -hmm. bubba so i knew that obviously i'm a big <laughs> golf study guy bubba i mean let's not let's not get ridiculous here come on bubba unbelievable oh man hulk Hogan's always been my favorite oh okay good. that's rude the um hey whenever whenever it came in whenever you did come into prominence there and it said uh you know you taught yourself a golf swing what does that mean exactly and i assume that is not normal because me i've never had a uh swing instructor either so i don't know how is that just like you're a very abnormal person in the golf world with this yeah uh, most most guys have somebody look at them um give them the uh pointers give them clues what to do how to grip it and for me i um i just went out there and played golf uh, it's like shooting basketball in your backyard you just practice and practice and finally you find something that that clicks or or you figure it out in your head and so what i did is i basically the only way to hit the ball in the fairway i had to move it one way or the other way i couldn't see a straight line or i couldn't produce a straight line and so somehow years and years of uh 
hitting bad shots. I finally figured that out and <laughs> started working out late in life. Where are you from, Bubba? Uh, Pensacola, Florida, Baghdad, Florida, almost in Alabama. Oh, did you play a lot of, you obviously played golf your entire life. Was that supposed to be the sport? Was that like your favorite sport or did you play other sports? Um, Don Mattingly was my favorite baseball player. Oh, my nice. dad wanted me to be a left-handed pitcher, play first base. Um, six years old, I started uh, golf. And um, at four years old, started T-ball. My dad was really upset in high school when I chose golf. Um, but it worked out good. Right before he passed away, he got to see my first win. So uh, it worked out in the, in the end. Oh, that's an awesome story. Um, uh, T's and P's, by the way, shout out to Mr. Watson looking down uh, uh, from above. Two-time master winner. Masters is like the Super Bowl. Because college game day. Uh, show that I'm a part of a little tiny little bit a part of. They are going to Masters this uh, this upcoming match. I think two weeks from now or whatever. And I yeah. always watch the Masters at home, and I know it's a massive ordeal. But then once I started looking into like the history of what's going on down there, this is a big ordeal for College Game Day to go down. What it, it, like when you go into a Masters, you've had a lot of success there. Is it, is it very different than every other golf course? Like the way you act, the way you talk, the way the tournament is treated. Is it that big of a difference? And is the Masters like just a step above everything else because that's kind of the way if you read about it or watch it it feels as like that is the pinnacle of golf happening down there yes it's you, you can't even describe it i mean for a golfer for a golfer to play it it's heaven on earth um for a sportsman it's the same venue every year um year after year so we get to see the highlights the history created um and then when you you set foot in there. The first thing you know is no cell phones, um, no running at the Masters. Um, yes, they will get onto you for running <laughs> at the Masters if you're watching the. If you're trying to run down and catch the, like Tiger Woods or or Rory trying to win a tournament, um, yeah, they will uh, get onto you for running. So they, they make sure you know that the history of the game, you know the etiquette of the game, and it's all about golf there. And the course, obviously, everybody talks about how gorgeous it is and everything like that. Does that course favor your playing style? Obviously, that's why you have success there. Or is it kind of built for everybody to either have struggles and success with the way the course is laid out? Uh, for me personally, I, I love the fact that you can hit shots from every angle. Um, it's not this high rough where you're chipping out. You can try to be creative. You can try to pull shots off. It is, um, it's all about the, the tee shots. And then the second shot's really, really important. And so uh, for me, that's what I've kind of been known for is hitting some good iron shots, being able to curve the ball, hit it high where I can stop it on some of those greens. And then lag putting. Um, it's about not having three putts. It's about putting the ball in the right position so you can two putt. And that's the, that's the, the key elements around that golf course. And obviously, Tiger Woods not playing very good. That's another key. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy you guys – that is – is there a conversation amongst all the other golfers, like even at this age, you start watching Tiger like maybe on Thursday or Friday and he's playing well. Is the conversation in the clubhouse or whatever just like, uh, hey, it looks like that red shirt's going to be coming out on Sunday. <laughs> like is that, a is that a real thing that is – it has to be at this point because even at this age, the media obviously starts having like, hey, Tiger's moving, he's getting into contention. Fans, I think everybody gets glued on Sunday. They're like, Tiger's potentially going to go. Is it – because the question was always this younger generation of golfers and this new generation of golfers, they no longer have the fear of Tiger. Like there isn't a, the fear of Tiger because they can hit the ball just as far and all that stuff. Is the stigma of Tiger still one where like all the other golfers just have so much respect like, oh, this guy could go right now if he wanted to? 
Yes, we have so much respect for him. Um, obviously, I've been able to play with him quite a bit, been around him quite a bit. Um, I'm a, a fan of sports. And so when you're talking about the greatest of all time in our sport, um, it, it's fun to see. And as a sports fan, I love seeing it. I love the challenge. I want to play him at his best. I want to say I beat him at his best. Um, and so that's what we're all looking for. And these young kids, they haven't been around enough to see him, but um, you know, he's interacting and helping people now. So we, we do get to uh, interact with him a little bit more. Um, and these young guys aren't afraid, but they know when Tiger Woods roars, everybody knows that Tiger Woods roar compared to, um, you know, a, a Monday qualifier. Or a <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, a, a putt falls or whatever. You're like seven holes over and you just hear, oh, no. Oh, <laughs> no. Eldrick's getting hot over there. Um, what is it about Tiger? And the winner, like two-time Masters winner, I don't want to just, like, what is it about the golfers that can go on to win and can stick around? Because it feels like there's a lot of names that just pop up one week and then they disappear. And then they pop up one week and then they disappear. And then there's only a few that are able to stay up there. And I would assume me as a punter, uh, from my position, it was a lot of in between the years, right? Everything was all about how I think. Uh, going into a game, my mindset was a big deal. Like, hey, if I'm, if I'm in a good mood, if I slept well, like, I'm going to be a lot better. It's all in between the years just being able to repeat the act and everybody's always said punting kicking and golfing are damn near the same thing i agree with that because it's a big mental thing but is that the only edge that guys like you and tiger and the people that have been able to win and stay and win on a consistent basis is that the biggest difference in the game of golf or is it like some people are just physical freaks and they can figure it out well, I would think of myself as a physical freak. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. taught yourself how to golf. That's right. <laughs> Pink driver, um, let me swing the hell out of this thing. Well, I mean, but I, I think there is there is a talent level, but then there is that mental edge that it, it's 90% uh, mental. Tiger's been the best. I think Corey Pavin in his heyday was um, the greatest of all time when it comes to mental edge because – he was always known as a short hitter and somehow he won 15, I think, times, 14 or 15 times, won U.S. Open. Uh, so there's a couple of guys that you know are that mentally strong, and that's where we're all trying to get. I think to stay there year after year, you have to be mentally tough or you have to be gifted. And as we know, I'm not mentally tough as some of the guys. Um, I've had my mental issues, but um, my physical game always keeps me there, always keeps me around, and um, I guess it kind of keeps me relevant. So um, – it's one of the things there, when I get my mind right, personally, um, I have a shot at, at beating anybody at any time. And um, I think that's the difference between the whole 250 tour members is that there's the, the elite go to the top because of their mental grind and mental toughness and their physical abilities to hit shots. I, you just alluded to something, I'd assume, and Diggs is our big golf fan in the room. He, he whenever you said that everybody knows that I have my, I, I didn't know, like, because I thought you won a lot. What do you mean? Like, you've gotten into a couple funks? Um, it's, it's funks more about um, off, off the golf course stuff. Got it. You know, trying to be the best husband I can be, trying to be, um, now you got two adopted kids, so trying to be the best dad I can be, and then somehow be a so called celebrity. Um, you know, when you just want to go buy toilet paper at Walmart, you know, it, you just want to go in there, buy some toilet paper and get home. You know, you don't want to take pictures and hang out. Um, and so it's, it's things that I've tried to deal with. Um, I've got to be able to hang out with a lot of high end celebrities, um, athletes and trying to learn from those guys and girls. Um, it's a tough struggle. You know, the world is tough. And when you get started at social media 
sometimes social media can go backfire on you and uh, people call you out or people make fun of you. And um, I'm kind of a sensitive guy. So when I see or, or read anything negative about me, um, it really hits home and, and it gets me down. Uh, you know, and I know the people around me love me very much, but it's hard to see negative stuff around me. And uh, I've been in some, some mental funks, not golf-wise, but mental funks off the course a few times in my day where I um, ended up losing weight, getting the weight back and all those things. And it's, um, it's challenging. You know, I, I've, I've been able to uh, hang out with some celebrities that have some ups and downs. And um, gosh, I'm, I'm nobody compared to some of these celebrities and getting to learn from them has helped me tremendously. Um, and it's, it's awesome to be able to talk to guys and girls like that to uh, improve myself. That's awesome to hear, obviously, because everybody thinks that if you make a bunch of money or have success in your field, that automatically you are happy all the time and you don't have to go through any type of struggle. For you, whenever you find those times where you said you lost a bunch of weight or whatever, what is it that eventually turns you around? Do you just wake up one day and you're like, you know what, I'm going to attack this day differently? Or is there is there some sort of practice you go through or reminders or something like that? Like, what, what would you recommend? And I didn't know this conversation would go this way. I'm pumped that we're here, though, because I think you can affect a lot of people right now. What is the thing that you go through to kind of get yourself back into a spot where you, uh, you know, can attack the day or whatever? You know, I, I really think it's, it's communication. Uh, communication with my wife and telling her what's going on in my own head and not be ashamed of it. Um, you know, hopefully she still loves me the same. Um, and she, she has so far 16 years we're going on, uh, going on 17 now, but you know, I, um, the friends around me, Ted Scott, who's been on my bag, my caddy for gosh, going on 14 years. Um, you know, the, my close friends, my manager hearing from doctors that I'm good. I'm okay. It's all in my head. You know, let's just think differently. Let's think about how blessed you are, how, how, lucky you are how amazing your career's been got a beautiful wife beautiful kids um you're helping two kids you're helping a children's hospital in your local area you're involved in a lot of things and so it's it's kind of like confidence in um sports it's kind of like confidence in punting right you hit you kick one down inside of five you think you're a hero and um the more you build confidence in in the right direction the more you're gonna go in the right direction and come out of it and so that's really what happens when I when I hit the bottom or close to the bottom. It's just about looping back in my mind or looping back to the people and, and constant communication. Um, and then on top of that, I, I want to be a Christian. I try to be a Christian. And, um, you know, I, I'm going to sin a lot and mess up, make mistakes a lot. And so it's just talking to those people and then, you know, and getting back to where I want to be and how I want to be. And that's really it. It, it really has no effect on um, the golf side of it. Uh, when I say the golf side of it, like a three putt's not going to make me, um, you know, think I'm having a heart attack. It's, oh. it's the, all the other stuff that that, that freaks me out um, is really what does it. And so getting out of it is just communication with a lot of people. Well, hey, man, thank you for sharing that, by the way. I don't want to – but that was, that was really, really awesome to share there. Now let's talk about that three putt. Um, <laughs> I'm I have, good at those, too. Hey, me? Hey, I <laughs> – I could beat your ass at three putting if I had to, Bubba. When you're putting, what's go like when you're about to swing? For me, whenever you're punting or kicking, 
I try to have no thoughts in my head, right? Or maybe like right before I go, I'll have two reminders. I'll be like, all right, flat drop, swing through. And then I'll just try to clear everything else, right? And that's like a quick reminder for me, drop the ball flat, get through that zone bit. For you, is there any pre-swing thoughts or are you just trying to block everything out? And what happens, I've seen some professional golfers who will line up over a ball and then they'll do like 7,000 things and then they'll back off of it. And for me, whenever I golf and I do that, that's because I get in there and I'm like, all right, going to hit this nice head look and it's like, no, you got no shot right here. <laughs> you got no, and I'm like, all right, get out. Come on, come on, get out. Ha, ha, get out of there. And then you go back in. For you, what are the thoughts before you swing and while you're swinging that could potentially help me not shoot triple digits every time I go golf? Well, for me, it's, it's about picking a target. And the whole thing is the target. And so if I'm going to move it off the tee, I try to move it from right to left. Um, so I try to cut my driver. Some people call it a slice. But um, so I aim it at a tree or a target or um, TV tower, whatever it may be, a bunker. And that's all I think about. Aim it at that and cut it. Um, that's, the, that's my two thoughts. Aim at that and cut it. Or if I'm trying to hook an iron, I would say aim at that and hook it. That's really all it is. Because um, the, the skill set, the physical set is there. So all I'm trying to do is, is dumb it down. And I never think about swing. I don't know what a flying elbow is. I've heard it, uh, but I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know if rotation. I don't know what that means. I just know swing hard and hit it. You know, that's all I know. And so uh, that's really what I'm, I'm trying not to think, I guess you could say, um, and make it simple. Yeah, I don't know. People are saying my elbow's moving. I don't know. Is the, ball, is the ball flying or not? Is the ball flying or not? What do you got, Dave? Bubba, you're always at the top in driving distance, but have you ever thought of strictly drinking protein shakes all day long and then potentially gaining 40 pounds and then adding 50 yards to your drive? <laughs> no. Uh, and the reason why is because I, I believe the way that I'm going about it is, is, is okay. I'm having fun with it. Um, I love what Bryson, uh, not that you called Bryson out, but I'm calling him out. Um, I like what, what Bryson's doing. I mean, he's comfortable in his own skin. I've talked to him quite a bit. I, I love his imagination. I love his theories. Um, and it's working for him. He's showing us that, that it's working right now in the, in the short run. Obviously, we'll see 15, oh. 10 years from now how it works. But, oh. you know, at some point, old age and body shape catches up with you. So. Oh, I just hear, hey, Ooh. I just heard a couple little subtle things there. Like, it's working out for him oh, in yeah, a short ahead. run, he said. And <laughs> you know, in the short run, we'll be excited to see if he can swing out of his shoes when in you know, three years from now or whatever. But it is. I said 10. I said 10, 15. <laughs> don't, don't try to meet me. <laughs> well, I'm just saying what you said, okay? You're alluding to it, all right? I'm sorry about that. What's up, Ty? Bubba, I'm just curious. Uh, do you still have that sweet, uh, like, hover cart? Oh, yeah. What happened oh. to that? Can you take that, like, out in the public? on like a public course or is that can you only use that on your home course hey at my hometown in pensacola escambia county santa rosa county i, I can pretty much do a lot of things um <laughs> Not a boy, they, uh, you know they they've actually been very um happy with me they're very friendly to me and i'm very thankful for the the city that i live in and how much they showed appreciation and love to me what does that mean? So that's, that's what I'm saying. Is I, could, I could do it if I wanted to. <laughs> hey, I thought whenever that video came out, I thought that was going to be the new norm, by the yeah. way. I was like, can't wait to go golf and get my own hovercraft here. This yeah. is going to be awesome. And then we never saw it again. It then kind of disappeared. That was Well, I think the uh, the factor of some people partaking in um, different kind of drinks late in the day. Uh, uh, sure. Uh, some injuries and <laughs> you're going to have harnesses and everything. And then the paperweight. If you let go of the gas over water, it's just going to sink, you know? So... 
you have to be driving it real careful in certain areas. Did they give you all this before or this is all learned? This is, it felt like that was so all pretty. When you, when you um, purchase one of these, um, they give you 48 hours. They, they teach you for 48 hours. And before that video, they teach, they were teaching me for about two minutes. <laughs> and that's where, uh, I was scared to death shooting that video. It was 40 degrees and I'm in shorts and I'm trying to look happy and I'm freezing. <laughs> what do you got, Connor? Bubba, you won the Masters twice, so you got two green jackets. Huh. Uh, when do you wear them, and how do you uh, even pick, like, which one do I choose? Or do you just put them both on at the same time? Remember, I'm a two-time Masters champion. Pop the collar, too, real yeah. Pensacola-like. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What happens is they give you the same jacket, so you only have oh. one. Oh, my. <laughs> my high school did that when I won punt, pass, and kick. They took the uh, trophy that punt, pass, and kick gave to me, and then they re-gave it to me in front of a crowd. That's unbelievable. The Masters. <laughs> I didn't expect the Masters to do that. That's kind of just alike. The green jacket and what did you say? Pump, pass, pass and kick or whatever you said. It's about the same. Equal green jacket, yeah. pump, yeah, pass, and kick. Uh, it's definitely better than drive, chip, and putt. That stuff you got <laughs> going on over there. In the hey, the drive, chip, and putt gets you to Augusta. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I got to go to a AFC divisional round game. Please. Thank you very much. Uh, and I got booed by the entire stadium when I won. But so they just asked you to bring. If you're in contention, they're like, uh, "Can you please bring your previous green jacket so that we can re-give it to you?" Is that what no? It, stay, it stays on site. It stays in your locker, um, and so you you get to take it home for a year, and kind of and you know just take it around for a year and you take it back. And so if I eat dinner there at the club when I go to practice away from the tournament. Um, I wear it. You're supposed to wear it when you're having dinner at the club. Oh. But I, um, it, leaves, it stays in my locker. So when I get oh. there, I put it on as fast as I can to make sure I still have it. Yeah, <laughs> as you should. I would assume you're treated a little bit differently whenever you have that thing on. Uh, do you ever worry about, uh, for me, for instance, I'll gain 35 pounds and lose 35 pounds as if it's nothing. You talk about weight. Some, do you ever worry that sometimes that jacket's not going to fit anymore? Ooh. And is that ever like a, uh, you know what I mean? You go back in there and you're like, Ooh, all right, Bubba, we need to. <laughs> need to back it down a little bit right now. Is there ever that thought or that fear? Well, I'll put it this way. Augusta is a very nice place and very um, – they have everything in a row. They have all their ducks in a row. So there might be a tailor on site that can – Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, because some previous winner has gone in there and just been like, uh, uh. <laughs> let me put this thing up. Uh. Can we take it out a little bit on the seams, pal? Oh, that's awesome. I'm going to win a Masters one day, Bubba. Hell yeah. I've decided. I'm going to be Intercontinental Champion one day. <laughs> uh, I hope you. I think you can pull it off, Bubba. To be honest, I think you can pull it off. Um, do you guys have a tournament this weekend, or what's going on? Are we lead up to Masters? When's Masters? Two weeks from now? They're, uh, where are they? They're in uh, Bermuda this week, and then they're in Houston next week. And then the Masters is after that. What are you doing? You're just Masters preparing for the Masters? Yeah, I'm at home. Uh, we had a hurricane scare that missed us. but um, So, yeah, I'm just at home practicing, getting ready to go practice. I had to do this interview, so I can't go yet. But. <laughs> hey, if you lose the Masters because of the moments and time that you could have had on the range here for the last 20 minutes, we will feel honored that we affected the Masters. Do I see a great mullet on the back there? Yeah, that's a good flow back there. That's a good Pensacola right, uh, waterfall. Oh, that's solid right there. <laughs> How long have you had the mullet? Gosh, man, my barber called me and said he couldn't cut my hair because they had to shut down the shop because of COVID. But um, whew, my wife gets on to me. I've tried to have it since high school, but she makes me trim it at one point. I, hey, 
A mullet master's dub. Oh, oh my! Please. Imagine him putting that jacket you've had on a couple different times now, putting it back on there, and that mullet is just flowing over top of oh. it. Oh my God, Bubba! See, I call it visor hair. I don't call it mullet. I call it visor. Great visor hair. Well, whatever the hell you call it, <laughs> grow that thing out, Bubba. Grow that thing out, dude. Uh, we appreciate your time, man. Do you have a range at the house? Do you have like a putting green at the house? What do you do? No, I have um, I have a driving range I own about three minutes from my house, and then there's a golf course. It's called the Country Club that I go pre- play at. It's about probably fifteen minutes from the house. You ever been to a Top Golf? I've been there a few times. Yeah, you I take love that place. you take it out. I mean, I have the ability to. Oh, Ladies and gentlemen, two-time <laughs> Masters champion on his way to the driving range, Bubba Watson. Yeah, Thank, Bubba. Thank y'all. Thank you. The wind is going to affect this weekend, though. Yeah. I mean, there's big storms coming through a lot of different games. AJ, we're going to run through some games here. You give me your first thoughts on them, okay? Yeah. Colts at Lions. Lions are getting two and a half points. For Foxy's sake, I wanted to say Lions, but I can't. I like the Colts. I like their defense. They're playing well. It feels going to be all right. I like that. I appreciate you even taking the moment there to have a little bit of feeling for the loser from Detroit. I mean, that was unnecessary. Uh, the Lions are potentially hot, though. People forget. Yeah. 500. Raiders at the Browns. Browns are favored by two and a half points. Really? They are. They're at the Browns. I got to go with Browns, too. I, I think Baker, you know, he's been up and down. But when he's good, he's good. I and mean, the Raiders, AJ I think Chuck. people have already crowned the Raiders. They think they very like are going to make a run. I don't know. I'm not as sold as other people may be. It's supposed to be very, very breezy there in Cleveland. Does that change anything with the way you view this game? does a little bit. I mean, how, Baker doesn't have the strongest arm. Derek, Derek Carr, can, he can sling it a little bit. So, yeah, I guess it does change it. But the Browns can, can run the hell out of the ball. So, it advantage them. Dogs of two and a half or less, 17 and three against the spread this year. Bingo. Oh, that's why I like the Raiders. I like the Raiders before he said that nuke right there, and I like him even more now. And it's a 25 mile an hour win coming out of the West, it seems like. Oh, no. <laughs> Not good out of the West for the Browns. Rams at the Dolphins. Dolphins are plus three. Rams coming Rams. off a short week where Johnny. Oh, Rams, okay. Uh, Two is starting, though, dude. Oh. Can't wait to watch the game. Rams will win. <laughs> Steelers at the Tua, Ravens. Tua's going to play well. I'm not saying Tua's going to play bad. I'm very excited for him and his, his emergence as a, a young star. But I think the Rams are, are, are I think the Rams are a better team than people are giving them credit. Uh, well, they only beat the NFC East before beating the Bears, so a lot of people have had a lot of questions about have they played anybody worth a fuck yet. Yeah, Pats Bears. at the Bills. Uh, Bills are minus three and a half at home. I like the Patriots, man. This is do or die for the Patriots. They, they feel like, hey, if we lose this game, they may get rid of every single player on this roster. Damn. So we need to win so we can stick around if they want to stick around. The good news for me is you've been fucking ice cold. Huh? <laughs> Let's go Steelers at the Ravens. Ravens are favored by three and a half. Oh, boy. What do you think? Should I pick the Ravens and make the whole room mad? How does this work? They don't bet. The, the Diggs and Nick and them don't bet on the Steelers, so they don't really care. So I'm I'm not going off the the spread here anyway. I'm just trying to pick a winner when you when I'm giving you my answers. But I think the Steelers. I, I like them. Yeah, I, like I, I talked about earlier in the show. I love that D line. I think they're going to be able to bottle them up a little bit. And as uh, Hugh said, force Lamar to, to beat him through the air. All right, let's go Saints and Bears. Bears are getting four and a half points at home. Supposed to be very breezy in Chicago. Drew Brees. I, now that does the weather here definitely plays a big difference with Drew Brees not being in the dome. 
outside. It's, well, I know Chicago, the grass is nine feet tall. Like yeah, the wind windy, is swirling. Lake it's effect. Rough. Oh, yeah. You know what? I like the Bears here. Yeah, oh, me too. Oh, 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 uh, okay, let's go Vikings, Packers. Packers are favored by five and a half without Aaron Jones. The Vikings get Dalvin Cook back. The Packers win and they cover, and right. Aaron throws the ball in the wind like it's not even there. Okay, uh, one last game Titans at Bengals. Bengals are getting six points. All right, I mean, with the spread, yeah, you may want to throw some money on the Bengals, I guess. Oh, Titans win, no doubt. I, I mean, Tannehill just continues to impress me. He really does. All right. Well, that's the games for the weekend. As uh, heard by AJ Hawk, we'll be giving all our picks at Hammer Don uh, at three thirty, happening in about thirty six minutes yeah. at YouTube.com forward slash the Pat McAfee Show. What's that, uh, Vince? Oh yeah, I got a super boost that we should. Li- it just went live on Fanduel. Oh, so I've hit four in a row. Okay, I've hit four. I've hit four of these super boosts in a row. If I hit this fifth one, if you bet alongside of me, you have to screenshot the winner on Monday and you post. They're giving away five one thousand dollar Fanduel sports credit wow. if you win, wow. and I win. Right. Whoa. So I've gone four in a row here. This is for my fifth one. The odds were boosted from plus one something to plus two thirty. Raiders plus eight and a half. Packers are getting a half a point against the Vikings, and the Steelers are getting nine and a half points. This is six-point tease. All three of those have to hit. We'll hit for plus 230. I've hit four in a row. You bet 50, win 115. That'll be five in a row. FanDuel will give away five $1,000 FanDuel credits if you bet alongside me and show that you won on Monday. You are automatically enrolled. FanDuel must be getting crushed. Have they lost a lot of money? Funny you say that. We had an update yesterday, a conversation. Uh, We've taken one point Five million dollars from FanDuel. Yeah, during the Super Boost. Yeah, I don't know if we're supposed to say that or not, but we did get actual numbers that the Super Boosts are fucking killing FanDuel. Let's go! One point five million we have run in the last four weeks on this thing. Let's keep it going. I like that tease. I like that boost. Let's celebrate that thing on Monday. Can't thank you enough for choosing Rock with us this week. Obviously, today's guest, thank you so, so much for joining us. To all the boys, thank you for the energy, the hype, the uh, the work, the safety. Because remember, this week we had a potential COVID outbreak with Tony Diggs. Yep. Everybody in this office, I can't thank enough for, you know, locking it in, locking it down here for the last six, seven months so that we don't have a COVID outbreak or a health scare in this particular office. And also, the amount of energy that the boys bring every single day to this job, I am so incredibly thankful for. Uh, To all the listeners, thank you so much for choosing and allowing us to penetrate your ear holes. I know there's so many other things that you could potentially listen to on your day-to-day basis. The fact that you fuck with us, we are so grateful for. Uh, The numbers continue to go, uh, go up. And also grow. Mm-hmm. Go and grow, by the way, sound very similar. We do. A lot of different letters in there, though. Mm-hmm. Can mean the same thing as well. Let's go and grow this thing. Okay? Mm-hmm. Let's continue to go and grow this thing. <laughs> if you like this show, be a friend, tell a friend. The Pat McAfee Show 2.0. We have a blast. Great uh, guests, great conversation, and also insightful shit. I think a lot of people automatically assume that because we are the dumbest show going, mm-hmm. that what we say is stupid. I don't think that. I think we break things down in pretty good fashion as well. I would agree. At its most basic form, we break things down. Sure, still trying to have a good time. It ain't rocket science, you know. I mean, you know, you look at the NFL stuff. If people would just take your picks every week, I mean, I don't know what the numerical value would be, but you're plus several units right now. So, Hammer Don podcast, H A M M E R D A H N. 
myself, Tone Diggs, Gumpy from Canada, and Michael Lombardi. I think I'm currently sitting at 33 and 11. This is my is my record on the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's fucking bananas. <laughs> that is bananas. It really is. It's going to continue too. We feel good. Everybody on the show is winning, though. Everybody on the show is winning. Mm-hmm. We're having a good time. We're enjoying this. We hope you are as well. Uh, hashtag end a pod squad. Go ahead and send out a tweet of what you're doing this weekend. Maybe some costume that you're wearing. If you're dressing up like me or any of the boys, mm-hmm. hashtag end a pod squad. If you're using the McAfee mask, which I had on NXT last week, hashtag my McAfee mask. We're going to be giving away merch all weekend at Viva Lazito. We'll be tasked with that. He is very diligent at that. Also, congrats to all the one of McAfee's million winners. Yeah. We gave away $125,000 yesterday. Pretty cool. Obviously, people were bitching because they didn't win. Just gave away $125,000. People bitch. That's the way it's going to go. Huge congrats to the 53 winners for getting some money here before the uh, holiday season. Absolutely. Don't spend it all in one place. Bingo. We'll continue to do this, by the way, as we go. Mm-hmm. We can't thank everybody for their support. Have the greatest weekend of your entire life. I'll be on College Game Day tomorrow morning. A uh, couple minutes, I believe. couple good segments. couple good segments. It'll be quick. But it'll be good. <laughs> it'll be quick, but it'll be good. Ty Schmidt, please play some independent music and propel these people into the greatest weekend of their entire lives. Happy Halloween. Be safe. Have a good time. We'll see you on Monday.